Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. But what he needs to understand is every time his child, whether he's 5 or 15 or even 25, walks into a room and dad is there, that child is saying to him, if he could, please, 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 dad, look at me. Give me what you can. Well, that's Dr. Meg Meeker talking about the importance of fathers and what it means to be a hero to your kids. And I'm really looking forward to hearing this recorded conversation today. It's appropriate timing, of course, with Father's Day coming up this Sunday. And uh, welcome to this episode of Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. John, in so many ways, fathers are marginalized in the culture today. Often, when we do a broadcast speaking about women and the challenges they face, we'll get criticism from people saying, how come you always put men down? And let me just say, there's enough of that going on in the culture, and we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to lift dads up and moms, frankly, and we firmly believe in the power of a father. None of us is perfect. We all have work to do in that area. I'm always thinking of ways I can be a better dad for my two sons. Uh, Today, we're going to hear from one of our favorite guests, Dr. Meg Meeker, about the incredible mission of a father and what he needs to know. Yeah, and uh, the influence of a dad cannot be overstated, and Dr. Meeker has written about it in her book, You've Got This, Unlocking the Hero Dad Within. And uh, she's been a pediatrician for about 35 years. Uh, She and her husband, Walt, have four grown children. And as we listen to this recent conversation, Dr. Meeker describes her own father. You know, my father was an enormous figure in my life, and many people who read Strong Father, Strong Daughters 10 years ago or in the past 10 years thought, oh, your father was perfect. Your father was... You know, my father wasn't. My father was a bit eccentric. He was um, very quiet, uh, didn't have a lot of friends. But I admired him and looked up to him, and I knew that my father always believed, and I don't know how I knew this, but he communicated it to me, that I could be and do anything I wanted. And this is back in the 60s and the 70s, remember, when we didn't have a lot of women's, you know, feminism growing and so forth. And my father really, in one sentence, changed my life. And I will share that just very quickly because he was very instrumental in um, the father work that I do now, which I've been doing for 10 years. Um, When I was 16, I decided I was going to go to medical school. That was it. You know, get out of my way, everybody. I don't know why. I just decided. Um, I applied to a lot of medical schools my senior year in college. And I got, if I applied to 12 schools, I got 12 rejection letters. (laughs) And I felt my life was over at 21. And I thought, what do I do now? I have no plan B. And um, I devoted everything, five years, to getting into medical school. And I came home one day after a a jog to clear my head, and I was living back at my parents' house, which no 21-year-old wants to to be doing even at that time. And I overheard my dad talking to a friend in the other room on the telephone. And I heard him, and he was talking. I stopped outside the door because I heard him on the phone, and I heard him say my name. And so being a woman, I just put my ear to the door. And I think I, a lot of men would do that, too, so oh, yeah, don't, don't okay. be too well, worried. We, we, admit it. <laughs> we, we, we admit it. And so I stopped, and I heard my father say, yes, yes, my daughter Meg will be going to medical school in the next couple of years. Hmm. And I can't tell you the sensation that came over my mind and my body, and I thought, it's a reality. 
My becoming a doctor is a reality because my dad said so. It was that concrete for you. It was huge. It was life-changing. And I can still hear him saying it now. That was over 30-some years ago. I went on. I picked myself up. I did my applications again. I reapplied, and sure enough, I got in. And, you know, history. I'm a physician now. Meg, let me ask you, though, because some people listening did not have that great relationship with their dad. They're even saying, how could you even feel that? I mean, my father never said a good thing about me. Why did it make such an impact on you? Describe it. I'll tell you why. Because fathers have an authority in a child's life that has a capital A. And a father uses that authority for good or ill. And when he does something well, even if it's just a little bit well, it's enormous in a child's eyes. And when he hurts you, even if it's a little hurt, it's enormous in a child's eyes. So the pains that we get from our fathers are huge, but the accolades that we get from our fathers are equally huge. And I will tell women, listen, my dad was not a perfect dad. My dad had his own demons he fought. And and I could have written a book talking about all the mistakes that my father did. But at some point in my life, I chose to capitalize and focus on the positives. Because here's the thing. Any father can be a great dad to his child. He can be in jail and be a great dad to his child. He can write that child letters because every child wants desperately for their fathers to say something positive. Mm -hmm. And when a father says something positive to a child, that child hangs on it. I think, let me ask you this, because the, um, the, what I see is a denigrating of fathers. Fathers, I think we ourselves even um, see us as a, 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 not a capital father. Of course. We see ourselves as a lowercase father. Of course, of course. We have inhibitions. We don't feel uh, gifted. We don't feel taught. No. Our dad didn't do well with us. So how are we right. supposed to be a right. good father? Right. So we have a lot of apprehension, insecurity. Of course. Um, yeah. How does a dad look beyond all of that and still aim to be a good father? Here's how. Well, our culture has done a number on fathers. And women have done a number on fathers. Not intentionally, but we've all gotten swept up in championing women over the past 30 years. And hey, I went to an all-women's college in 1970. I get it. I get it. You know, we wanted equality of everything. But what has happened is we've thrown good men into orbit, in their homes. Mm. And we can no longer do that. But this is how any father, when I say any father out there can be a great dad to his child, this is what I mean. If he can understand how his child sees him, then he will parent very differently. And so what I'm describing to you as I talk about listening to my father in that conversation is as a child, as a 21-year-old child, when I heard my father say that, it changed my life. Now, interestingly, Years later, I told my father about that conversation. He doesn't remember saying that. That's typical of us dads. <laughs> yeah. We don't remember so a lot. But I said, Dad, Dad, you saying that to me when I was 21 helped me write books when I was 40 and 50 and 55. It helped me get up on stage in front of thousands of people and give lectures. And he kind of looked at me quizzically like, what are you talking about? Once a father understands what he looks like behind his child's eyes, mm. his life will never be the same. So here's the easy part. Don't listen to what your wives are telling you. Wives like me, who are well-intentioned, but we, we are really controlling. 
particularly when it comes to parenting. Did we you, wanna, have you noticed that? We want to tell. Uh, I have friends. <laughs> we have friends. See, this is, I can get away saying this, but we do, we swoop in, we swoop in and go, no, 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 no. I got it. Thanks. If I need you to talk to the kids about that, I'll let you know. Right. But, and then we sort of push them away. I've done it with my own husband. But what we need to do is say, wait a minute. Ch- I'm a pediatrician. Children need their fathers engaged in their lives even if the wives don't think the father's a great husband, there is something great that you have that your child wants. Mm-hmm. And that is so well said, Meg. Uh, let's apply the, the research to it. Then yes. I want to come behind that and talk about gender differences of, yes. uh, of having a little boy, having a little girl, and are there differences in those needs. But hit the research. What does a father provide to a household and to those children in terms of their success their ability, their future. Yeah. Well, across all demographics, socioeconomics, um, and all strata, fathers improve every aspect of a child's life if he is living in the home. Now, there are a lot of parents who go, no, 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 you didn't know my dad. My dad was horrible. But listen, all the research out there says that if a dad is in the home, it doesn't... Present. It doesn't say if he's a really good dad, if he's a really good listener, if he's a very good communicator, if he's very... It doesn't say that. If father is present in the home, a child is less likely to struggle with depression, anxiety, low self-esteem. If a father is present in the home, the, the child is far more likely to graduate high school and go on to college and graduate school. More likely to a father who's engaged with his child from the time he's six months old on is more likely to... Uh, test higher on IQ tests when he's three. Hmm. So fathers impact kids when they're six months old until they're three. They test higher on IQs. Um, kids are less likely to get involved in sex, drugs, and alcohol in high school. They're less likely to end up in jail with a father in a home. And a lot of parents say, yeah, or mothers will say, yeah, but you don't know my husband. I say, yes, I do. Hmm. I've met him. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. I've met every type of father you can imagine. And I'm telling you, you may disagree with him and you may not like what he does, but your child needs something from him. And as a good mother, you owe it to your child to allow that man to give it to your child and for the child to enjoy it. That's what good parents do. That's hard for women who carry a lot of um, animosity towards men, even towards their husbands. Well, and and I want to get to that, but I I do want to cover the gender differences. So with having a little boy, a little girl, how does a dad father them differently or should he? He Of course he should because they're different people. Really? Oh, yeah. The culture would not tell us that. But, you know. So boys and girls are different? You know, Leonard Sachs, (laughs) great friend of mine, fabulous book, Why Gender Matters. It's a fabulous book. And it really talks about anybody that's parented more than one child and particularly, you know, more than one sex of a child. You know, from by the time the child's six months old, they're very different. They just come out, boys come out moving and building and smashing. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know, girls come out staring at your face. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's so adoring true. you. It's true. It's studies show, you know, you put a moving object in front of an infant boy and in front of an infant girl, the boy stares at it. You put a face in front of an infant boy and an infant girl, and the girl stares at the face and the boy just can't. W- w- looks why, around why? it. Yeah, he looks around <laughs> it. This is boring. So, yes. And, I, you know, of course they are. And so they're very different and wonderfully so. We should celebrate the differences in maleness and femaleness. And and it's so wonderful. Fathers parent boys very differently than they parent their daughters. Fathers tend to be harder on their sons. Mothers tend to be harder on their daughters. Because your son, as a dad, is a mini you. 
and you're going to push him. Right. And you're going to make him man up. Yeah. You know, and mothers push their daughters. Mothers protect their sons. Fathers protect their daughters. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. This is Jim Daly inviting you to join us in Dallas-Fort Worth for Focus on the Family Celebrate Life Live experience at the American Airlines Center on Saturday, August 28th. This live event will feature inspirational pro-life speakers to encourage you in the pro-life movement. Join us for Focus on the Family Celebrate Life Live experience in Dallas-Fort Worth. Visit focusonthefamily.com slash life. You've read accounts in the Bible of how Christ impacted so many people, but we really know very little about the lives of those early followers of Jesus. The Chosen, I Have Called You By Name, imagines what life was like for those who followed Christ. Based on the widely acclaimed TV series, The Chosen, this Focus on the Family book by best-selling author Jerry Jenkins brings color and depth to the people surrounding Christ. You can find out more at focusonthefamily.com chosen. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Meg, you said something a moment ago I want to come back to as well, and that was um, the bad experience. And when you look at even the feminist movement, which you talked about being a part of quickly, you just mentioned it, but I want to come back to that. I know. I know. But, you know, uh, being in the 70s, in college in the 70s, and going to med school, wanting to go to med school at that time, I mean, you probably had a lot of headwinds because that was a male-dominated profession. Very much so, yeah. And I just want to ask you, when it comes to... Um, those experiences where women have had a, a bad father relationship is a lot of that animosity as they grow older and um, go to college and uh, develop attitudes toward men. Maybe their husband is not the guy that they really thought he would be. Yeah. Does that is that rooted in that father relationship well, originally? You know, very much so. Very much so. And I believe that Jesus calls us into absolute truth and truth in our relationships, truth in our history, truth in what we wanted and truth in our needs and what we didn't get. And look, it's a broken world and fathers are broken and the relationships with their children are broken. And so every person carries father wounds. And I I used to say when I was talking about my father-daughter book that every woman takes one man to her grave, and that's her dad, for good or ill. The reality is that women who experience pain in the relationships with their fathers, who don't recognize that pain, who don't reconcile that pain, carry that forward into their relationships with their husbands. And there are a lot of women who have intimacy problems with their husbands, because of pain with their fathers. And my point is, women, if you want to enjoy the rest of your lives, you want to enjoy your family and your marriage with your husband, you've got to face up to the pains that you had with your father. I had pains with my father right. that I reconciled. And I rec- I was fortunate to reconcile them with my father in his later years of life. Yeah. And this is what Christ calls us to do. But what our culture has led women to do is this. If you were hurt, by golly, you just turn around and you use that power for good, that energy, and you go out and you beat them at their game. Men, that is. That's what we were taught in the 70s and 80s. And I remember listening to Gloria Steinem say things like that. Listen, if a man is a surgeon, you go be a better surgeon. 
And and whatever he can do, you can do better. And go beat him. So kind of gender warfare. To- total gender warfare. It's still going on. Yeah. It's still going on. But where does that lead women? It leads them to a dark place. It doesn't lead them anywhere healthy. And what we end up doing is isolating from men, isolating from fathers and from husbands, and taking our kids with us. When you look at, um, and it's interesting to think of it in those terms, but when you look at the church, yes. particularly, um, how has the world seeped into women's thinking within Christianity? Christianity. Um, where are those boundaries? Have they bought into some of that worldly perspective? Maybe with good reason, because their husbands have been not yeah. good. Yes. And what what does a Christian woman respond with? Well, when... I, I don't know, and and I'll confess my ignorance here, because I don't read a lot of a lot of Christian women's stuff. I don't know that Christian women have, ad- as the church has adequately taught us how to, in a healthy way, reconcile pain with men. Because we either tell women what your role is to do, and this is what I learned as a wife, your role is to submit to your husband and just sort of take a big deep breath and pray about it and God will be your husband and he'll help you endure your marriage. I don't think Jesus wants us to do that. And then we have on the other extreme, we have, okay, well, you know what? Jesus wants to empower you. He's gifted you. Um, He's championing you. He is your husband. So go out and set the world on fire. But the truth of the matter is women really don't want to do either of those things. And I don't know that Jesus wants us to, to do either. Jesus wants us in healthy, intimate relationship with men. And he wants us to embrace our femininity and, and all that means. And he wants us to embrace our husband's masculinity and all that it means. And as confused as our culture is about what is masculinity and what is femininity, even the, those in the transgender movement like femininity because, you know, transgender men want to become feminine and feminine want to become men. So we just don't know how to reconcile all this, but Christ can. Mm-hmm. Women in the church I know have pain from their relationships with their dads that they have brought into their marriages that they don't even recognize. Men are, their husbands are dealing with it. They are dealing with it. And Christ says, face it, deal with it so I can free you up to have a healthy, wonderful relationship with your husband. And that's how you really lead families mm-hmm. into fruitful relationships. Uh, Dr. Meeker, along those lines, um, talk to the dad who's got an older child, son or daughter, and he knows he's the reason for the distance in the relationship. He made some mistakes. What What is something he can do to start building that bridge yeah. so he can have a healthier relationship with his kids and they can have healthier relationships? You know, that's a great question, John. Thank you for asking it because I deal with that quite a lot. So many men call in and say, I am estranged from my adult daughter. She's 35. I haven't spoken to her since she was 17. She wants nothing to do with me, and I get it because I really made a lot of mistakes. And she won't answer my texts. She won't answer my calls. What do I do? And I say, here's the deal. In in any father-child relationship, even if that child is 50 years old, that child perceives you as the grown-up in the relationship, the one to take the lead. So you don't wait for your adult child to lead. You lead. You're always the leader. And I have a whole chapter on you're the leader, not the coach. I expected my father to still lead when he was 80 years old. You know, why? I don't know. I just did because I was always a kid. So you take the initiative to reach out to your your child and you persevere and you persevere and you never, ever, ever give up because this is what you need to know. 
every child, son or daughter, no matter how old they are, wants and needs reconciliation with their father because those are child wounds. Those wounds happened when that son or daughter was a child and you were an adult. So they will always feel like a child wound, not an adult wound. So they are motivated to reconcile with you, but their anger and contempt that's gotten so thickly encased around their heart has to break down before they're willing to engage you. So that's why you never give up, but you constantly lead and you go at them. And then you, you come to them and say, look, I really messed up and I really want to reconcile with you. And I really need God's help and your help. Will you help me know how to help you heal from what I did to you? And I will do my best to stick with you along the way. Here's the thing. A child, particularly a daughter of a dad who has wounded her, is going to be the most forgiving person that man will ever meet. It won't be his wife. It'll be his daughter because the daughter wants healing with her dad. And then will be the son because the son wants healing with his father. So they will come around, but it may take years because they have built up this wall around them of such anger. So he, he just needs to keep trying keep at it. and trying. Never, never, never give up. And he, if he needs to get on a plane and show up at their house, do it. Hmm. Meg, let me pull that a little further uh, into the man's thinking. Yes. Because so many dads, and I, I want to know if you agree with this or disagree. Please do either. <laughs> but as men, we often, when we are emotionally wounded, we hide course, sure. We do it in marriage, and I think we do it in parenting. Yes. When we don't feel appreciated, respected, whatever it might be, many men simply go to the corner emotionally. Maybe not physically. We're involved and we're engaged, but not in the same way. A, is that true? And how does a woman uh, better understand that? Because I see women responding differently. Women typically want to get to it. Let's talk it through. Tell me what's going on. And they want to reconcile, like you said, even daughters. I think that's something about the women's brain wiring. They're more willing, more engaged, more verbal. Mm -hmm. Men, when they are wounded in some way, they back up because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be disrespected. And so we just check out. Yes. And I think there's one more thing. I think that, and I've seen this in my husband, I think the kinder the man, the more he hides his feelings. Mm. And I think that men, too, don't want to feel because they're afraid if the anger comes up, it can be overwhelming and they're much bigger than everybody in the house. And and my husband has said, I, you know, when you come at me and you're trying to get me angry, I just have to go away because I can't be that angry in front of you. That's called pushing buttons. Exactly. So men for our good hide. And when a man hides his hurt, a woman understands his at as coldness and distance, and lack of understanding, and lack of compassion. And it's really quite the opposite. Um, It's interestingly, I find that high school boys often have a harder time uh, getting over broken relationships than the girls do, because girls talk about it, the boys don't. But back to the husband who hides his feelings because he's so wounded. Fathers get their feelings hurt very deeply by teenagers, particularly teenage girls. Dad comes to hug his adorable 13-year-old who always loved to sit on her dad's lap and hug her, and now she stands there like a telephone pole with spikes all over her, and he tries to hug her, and she repels him, and he says, oh, what's happened and he goes away so he doesn't hug her because he said clearly she doesn't want to be hugged anymore 
Right. Right. And, and so he goes away for years. Which, and I say, Dad's no, no, no. What she is saying is, Dad, I don't feel very good about myself. This is horrible. Please don't take me personally. But he says, well, you just told me you didn't want to be hugged. So we think so very differently. So what fathers need to know when they're quiet in their homes and their wives are telling them they don't feel and that they're distant and they're cold and they're disengaged is this. Your child is screaming at you every single day, Dad, please come out. I need you. Dad, whatever you have, please give it to me. I need you. That is so important because the wife won't tell the father, the the husband that because she's mad because he's not doing his job. Right. He's not helping her out and and engaging with the kids and what's wrong. He's back into orbit. He's got an F on the report card. Yes. And he's going, I just don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what you people want. You know, you tell me you don't want me. And so I orbit the home and all you do is complain. But what he needs to understand is every time his child, whether he's 5 or 15 or even 25, walks into a room and dad is there, that child is saying to him, if he could, please, 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 dad, look at me. Give me what you can. And if a father can understand that his child always needs that, his parenting will turn 180 degrees. And that's my job. I feel as a pediatrician is to scream that to fathers from the rooftops. We want you back. Yeah. And we need to be back. Yes. And that's the key. Dr. Meg Meeker, uh, I've got some more questions for you, but we have run out of time. And uh, and incredibly, this has flown by. I want to come back next time and ask you some practical questions for dads. You have in the book three questions we need to know. Those kinds of things. So can you stay with us? I'd love to. Okay, let's do that. Well, be sure to stop by focusonfamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A in the word family, to get your copy of that great book, You've Got This, Unlocking the Hero Dad Within, written by our guest today, Dr. Meg Meeker. We also have a CD or a download of today's broadcast, and it's really worth listening to again so you can unpack more of these things or maybe even share it in a small group setting. And I hope you'll consider supporting Focus on the Family to help us impact more families for Christ. If you can make a monthly donation today, we'll say thank you by sending a copy of this excellent book to you. If you're unable to make an ongoing commitment at this time, we'd appreciate a one-time gift. And of course, we'll be happy to send you that book as well. And uh, donate generously as you can today. Our number 800, the letter A in the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. Plan to be with us next time as we continue the conversation with Dr. Meg Meeker and once again, help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program, for your family. Stay tuned. Last time on Focus on the Family, Dr. Meg Meeker was our guest, and she talked about the incredible importance of fathers. Children need their fathers engaged in their lives. Even if the wives don't think the father's a great husband, that child needs parts of his father. There is something great that you have that your child wants. 
Well, Dr. Meeker is back with us today, and thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, we heard a great discussion last time with Dr. Meeker. She is a big fan of dads, which comes through loud and clear. Uh, Dads are under a lot of pressure. Uh, We're doing the best we can, but it's always great to get a pat on the back to encourage us. Think of that, Mm -hmm. uh, honey over sticks. And I think that's the most positive aspect of the discussion last time, Um, letting dads know that even when parenting is tough, we need to hang in there and keep moving forward. Uh, Dr. Meg Meeker has written a wonderful book, You've Got This, Unlocking the Hero Dad Within. And, of course, we have uh, copies of that book here. If you missed the last conversation, we talked about uh, the power of a father's words and his influence on sons and daughters. Also discussed feminism and other topics in the culture. If you missed that conversation, uh, swing by the website, focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to get a download, or if you'd prefer, order a CD. Uh, Let's pick up where we left off last time. Uh, You were talking very intimately about your father and fathers who blow it and the need for them not to pull back. And even in that area, you described the teenage girl whose dad doesn't know to hug her anymore, those things. It caught my attention because Jean and I, uh, when we first got married, um, you know, she struggled with uh, that intimacy. Mm just holding hands and hugging. And we started to talk about it. And her father pulled back at about 12, 13. Mm. Um, She remembers it being that her mom had said something to him like, honey, your, your girls are now blossoming. It's not appropriate for you as a father to be physically touching them or hugging them. That happens. You didn't describe it last time that way, but that also happens where the dad is asked by the mom not to show that kind of affection to a teenage daughter, and the dad backs up, and then the the child's left hanging out there. Doesn't dad love me? Exactly. And you look at young teenage girls who are sexually active at 14, 15, and 16, and I've seen scads of them, unfortunately, and they will say the reason they do it is to have somebody touch them and hug them. And it's for a male figure. And so really one of the best things that a father can do to help his daughter stay away from sexual activity early is to give her physical affection. And interestingly, there's research that shows the number one way to boost a girl's self-esteem is to have her father show her more physical affection. It isn't to you know, get her a piano tutor or help her get her grades up or give her ice skating lessons or Oh, those those things are good. <laughs> those are good, right? But but we think of well, get help them learn to do something well, and their self esteem will go up. But interesting with girls, we know that it's physical affection from a dad that makes them feel better about who they are as a person, and that's telling. Particularly when we were talking about the influence and the power that a father has on a on a child's life, there you go. There's that authority again. That wow, my dad thinks that I'm lovely enough or wonderful enough or valuable enough for him to come and give me a big hug, I must really be something because children see their fathers as so enormous. Right. And I'm sure Jean's dad never knew that scar that he He, created in her heart. Well, exactly. And a lot of fathers wound their kids 
not because they have bad intentions. It's because they don't know better. Or they think that's what they're supposed to do because their kids during their teen years give them vibes that they don't want their father around. So the father goes, okay, and he leaves and he walks away. And that's exactly the opposite of what you need to do. And so a big part of the work that I do, again, is to show fathers what their kids need even throughout ad- adolescence so they don't get their feelings hurt and they don't overread their kids. Yeah. They understand this child is confused. And to whatever degree they express discomfort with me, they're expressing discomfort with themselves, right? not me. So don't take your kids personally, dads. Well, and for me, this last uh, year or so, Jean and I had foster kids living with us, five and three. And the older one was a, a girl, which was new for me and for Jean. And I remember one night uh, tucking her into bed, and I would pray over the kids. And I remember she was in the upper bunk bed, so she kind of could look me eye to eye. And she's looking through the little wooden grates there, and she said, I love you, Mr. Jim. And I said, I love you too, and I'll always be here for you. And she took my hand in her hand and started to stroke her little cheek with it. And I I was kind of, because I have two boys, I mean, You know, we tickle each other before right. we go to bed and give each other pink bellies. Yeah. But the tenderness of that moment really struck me. But what me. an incredible gift to her <sighs> to understand. That's a, her early um, exposure in life to male love is you. Well, and the appetite. Yes. That's what actually, yes. it was lovely and it concerned me. Yes. Because I could see her appetite yes. for that affection. The hunger. The hunger. I, I need affection and love from a man and I will tell you if young girls early on in life are hurt by their father or a male figure they will shut down any type of affection or reaching out to men later in life and to God himself you talk about three questions and we promised last time we wanted to get to that and so uh, let's cover that what are the three questions your kids need answered by their father yeah I came up with these questions because they really are about growing the heart of your child and the spirit of your child. We're so about, um, you know, teaching our kids to perform well, and we're pretty good at that. We, we are just really sign them all up. about yeah. that. We're all about the externals, <laughs> but that's not what makes them feel valuable as a human being. The first question every child needs their father to answer is, what do you believe about me, Dad? And think about this. That's what my father was answering to me when we talked yesterday on the program about when I didn't get into medical school. And I overheard my father tell a friend that I was going to go. What he communicated to me in 30 seconds is, I believe you have everything it takes to get to where you want to go. And that changed my life. That changed my adult, the trajectory of my adult work. Every five-year-old girl or son, when they walk into a room, they want their father, they're reading their father for clues about what he thinks about them. Does daddy like what I'm coloring? Does he like what I'm talking about? Does he like what I'm wearing? Does he like what I just built? Does he see me? You know, they're, they're looking and searching for clues about what you think about them. And, and in short, they are, dad, what do you believe about the person that I am? If you come home and you don't even notice me and I'm sitting in the kitchen and you walk right by me, you believe I'm not worth noticing. Or I'm not there. Or I'm not there. You believe I'm invisible. Or 
if a father on the other end, you know, we're so performance oriented in training our kids to be good performers today, and we follow them around to all their athletic games, if the only time we, we praise them and applaud them is when they're on a soccer field, guess what that child learns to think you believe about him is that you believe he's a really great soccer player and and it's worth watching him play soccer but you really don't give him any attention any other time so boy oh boy that kid's going to keep playing soccer meg let me let me uh tease this out for you a bit because of the way men think and fathers think i think i qualify um you sometimes those things are important to you and you can get lost in that performance area yes and that can create some tension. Yes. Uh, how does a man dial it back to understand the greater virtues that he needs to pass on to his children? Well, think back to when he was a kid. What did he want from his dad? All those things are wonderful. You know, get your kids out playing sports, help them excel in things. But at the same time, say, when I was 15, if my father would have come in and said, man, oh, man, I am so proud that you are my son. Even if you just say that. And I get that. And I think that's in a healthy dynamic and the dad's doing the right thing. But what if I said, yeah, my 15-year-old, he's got a sharp tongue. He's always mouthing off. He disrespects me. I'm going through that litany yeah. where some dads live in their relationship with their teenage son or daughter. And you're saying, and I've heard this clearly last time and this time, dad, you got the adult brain. Mm-hmm. You're fully formed in your brain. You've got to act adult like and you've got to overcome that and stay engaged even though you're not feeling the love Mm -hmm. from that teenager and i'm just saying how do you go about starting that uh, mechanism of looking beyond it going beyond the angst that you're getting from the teenager the sharp words the i don't want to take the trash out line how do you get over that still be a loving father and hopefully get them moving in a good direction well you know here are a couple of things because a lot of kids end up that way First of all, the snarkier and nastier your teenager behaves, the more that child is saying to you, um, he's trying to get attention from you. Yeah. That's why kids do it. So he's not trying to be mean because he dislikes you as a father. He's really saying, please, 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 will you pay attention to me and spend some time with me? So if your child is really mouthing off and they're in a bad place, you need to find some time for that child and to be able to have time with that child and endure him. Yes. Just endure. Take him camping. You say, oh, no, no. Yep. You're a man. You can do it. (laughs) Get in a canoe and let him just rail on you if he feels like it, because it will come to an end. What he's saying is, please, 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 dad, you know, I need more of you. So give him your time and don't take him personally. And if you need to pretend he is your neighbor's kid for a couple of hours to endure what he's saying to you because you're just going to go crazy, um, do that if you need to. And then as he starts to simmer down, then you say to him, I am so glad you're my son. Mm. He said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But you know what? You can say anything you want. I am so glad you're my son because one day you're going to stop all this. Mm. Well, that takes a lot of, as you said, Jim, adult thinking <laughs> to not be so, um, to not feel so disrespected by that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because, I mean, they're in your face saying, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Okay, what I would do if I took him canoeing is after he told me what he thought of me, then I'd splash him I'd big it. time. I'd Go it. ahead. Yeah, totally. And I'd be soaking him saying, hey, I love you, but I'm going to get you all wet. Exactly. Whatever. It'd be fu- that'd be fine, because to him, it's better than being ignored. 
This is Focus on the Family, and our guest today is Dr. Meg Meeker, who's written the book we're talking about, You've Got This, Unlocking the Hero Dad Within. And you can get your copy at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call us for the book or a CD of this program. Our number, 800, the letter A, and the word family. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Good parents aren't perfect, and that's okay. But there are ways you can grow every day. Focus on the Family's 7 Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment gives parents an honest look at their unique strengths, plus some areas they could use a little help. Every mom and dad can help raise the next generation of healthy, mature, and responsible children. And this assessment will help get you started. Take the assessment at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash 7Trades. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash 7Trades. When a woman discovers her husband's struggle with pornography, she needs a practical plan. The latest book from Focus on the Family, Aftershock, by professional counselor Joanne Condy, will help you through the seven steps of self-care. And you'll learn how to deal with the emotions involved in the discovery of your husband's addiction. Let Joanne Condy's timeless wisdom give you hope even while you're in your own season of Aftershock. Learn more about Aftershock at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Okay, Meg, you've covered one of the questions, what do you believe about me, which is convicting. I don't know if that convicts you a little bit, John. I'm going to think differently (laughs) about my children today. Take that moment to Mm -hmm. tell your kids these things. Another question of the three was, how do you really feel about me? Yes. Yes. You Um, know, many many great parents will tell me in my practice, oh, I love my kids. I adore my kids. And yet when I talk to those kids who are usually teenagers and I ask those kids who are struggling, usually the kids who are depression, anxiety, or they're acting out, I say, who in your family loves you? And they they always say this. Well, my mom does because she has to. Right. Mom's love is constant. Mom's love is non-negotiable. Why is that? Because... Every child feels if your mother doesn't love you, at least your mother, then your life isn't worth living because it has to start somewhere. Now, this is very interesting, but your father's love is negotiable. It's the wild card. It's the wild card. Now, even if a child has a fabulous father who would never leave, who tells his kids he loves them every day. In a child's mind, that child still needs to behave well because they can't risk losing their father's love. And that's what I say. Children approach their mothers and their fathers very differently. And as I say that, many adults will think back on their own child and go, yeah, I get it. When my dad walked in, I I, I just wasn't sure what he was thinking or feeling. But my mom, I could be mean to my mom because she couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, and this is an old story. And I think Dr. Dobson even used this years ago where at a, at a prison, a greeting card company took Mother's Day cards for them to fill out and write to their mom. Yes. And they had to go back to the warehouse to get more cards yes. because everybody stood in line in that prison yes. to send a note send your mom. to the mom. Because dads, but, then, yes. but then they did it for Father's Day thinking they'd have the same great success. Not one prisoner yeah. wanted to send a note yeah. to his father. Yeah. Think of that. And, well, that's what you're saying. And that, that's a, a sad tale of where we are in our culture right now is that I think fathers feel so marginalized and feel their value is so low in the family that men have just basically left. And, and my message is if we don't get our dads back in our homes, um, if you really want to restore our country, get our dads back. Boy, that one is powerful. One by one by one. You want safer neighborhoods, safer schools, put dads back. 
It's all you need to do. Forget about the police. Put dads back in the inner cities, and the drug guys are going to go away. Yeah, because there's accountability and authority. And authority. But how do you feel about me? So the the cry of every child's heart is, Dad, do you really, really love me? And kids will go to extremes to find out if Dad loves them. Mm -hmm. I've had girls run off and get pregnant just to see if Dad is still going to love them. Uh. Uh, Sons who act horrible horrible who are nasty and mean because they're testing their dads what can i do to make you not love me anymore and if they feel insecure in that love they're going to act out and be horrible people and and as i say the more horrible they act i look at those teenagers and the worse they act the more i see inside them this little child curled up in a ball in a fetal position going please 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 tell me that you really love me and a father almost has this spell over a child he can break that spell yes i do yes i do you can go sit in a closet for the rest of your life or you can act like a jerk the rest of your life guess what uh, you can't shake me if you go homeless and you get pregnant and you go do this i'm gonna follow you do you know the book the runaway bunny yeah that's what a dad needs to be. You know, a little kid who runs away from his mom. Well, I'm not going to be there, and, if, and, if, and I'm going to, you don't love me, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to plant myself and be a flower in a garden. And the mother says, oh, but I'll become a flower night right next to you. Well, then I'm going to go and be a boat on the ocean, and the wind will come and take me. Well, then I'll be the sail on the boat. That's what fathers need to do. Chase after your kids and show them you love them no matter what it takes. And say it. Yes. You know, fathers whose feelings are hurt, who have a snarky 17-year-old who's giving them a hard time and they're angry all the time, do you know how you could break all that if you constantly do? I love you anyway. Yeah. I love you anyway. That's so good. So many, uh, so many emotions, though, can cloud, uh, especially a young adult or an adolescent's thinking. How can they possibly respond with something that a dad can take and and use? Well, this is what they usually do. Eventually, they'll usually start to cry because they know you mean business. Mm -hmm. When a child knows that dad means business in communicating that he really loves them, that's really all you need to do Mm -hmm. because they don't need magic from you. They just want to know that you really want to do it. And you're not going to go anywhere. That's it. It's so easy. You know, so many times I'll tell teen girls, here's the deal. What you need to understand about your dad. You say your dad doesn't love you. I know your dad loves you because I know your dad. Here's the problem. As a man, he's trying to communicate. It becomes out sideways and you don't see it. (laughs) So you need to talk to him. And I will say this to a daughter right in front of her father. So I will say to her, tell him now what he needs to do. And she will look at him with a blank stare. And then she'll cry. This is in your doctor's office. Oh, in my office. I own my practice. Yeah. 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 See, government can't, you know, they can't pin (laughs) me down. You're doing so much more than healing a body. So much more. Because I've realized years ago, if I want to help kids, if I don't help their parent, if I help their parent, I don't have to worry about the child. So whenever I work with a child... I have to have the parent in the room because my job is to draw them closer, not separate them. So what do you see when you make that comment oh, in your office? Tears. What does the daughter and the father do? She looks at him and he looks at her and they have blank stares and they realize they're crossing wires. Hmm. But they realize they love each other, but yeah. they're not getting through. And then this crazy grandmother lady said, what do you need to do? And they don't know what to do, but they know they want to. And that's all they need. Wow. 
That is really good stuff. Your third question was, what are your hopes for me? You kind of covered that with your dad's analogy, that story. What are your hopes? Here's why we need to communicate hopes. Teenagers don't think past 23. They go out that far. (laughs) Well, I was going to say 25. I'm thinking more like 18. Yeah, particularly teenage boys in sexual activity. They think all the good stuff comes before 25, so they better get it all in then. Because once they're married... Ugh, gets bad. And, that, and then, but then we failed them. Yes. Okay, so I tell them otherwise, which makes them cringe because I'm 50-something. But here's the thing. We need to teach our teenagers, listen, my job is to get you to 25 when all the brain cells and everything have formed and you're shaped. You're finally and, done. And you're finally done. <laughs> and I can be your friend. And I can't until then. Is to teach you that I'm just getting you ready for all the good stuff. Because the good stuff really comes after 25. And they look at you kind of like, you. they don't know what you're talking about, but you need to give them perspective. Right. Case in point, this is how I get kids to be sexually abstinent. I walk into high schools and I say, if you're 15 years old, your body is wired to, to be sexually active until the average lifespan of a, a man, which is 75, 15 to 75, 60 years. And they hoot and holler and they scream and they yell and they go, wow, I wear this lady. But, and I say, now I need you to pay attention to what I say because the next 10 years of your life are critical. If I, as your pediatrician, want you to have 50 healthy years, 25 to 75, and they go, whoa. I say, so if you pay attention to what you do the next 10 years, I guarantee you great sex for 50 years. Got them. And they all want to, got them. Yeah. Because I give them perspective. Right. The good stuff, the great stuff comes a little later, and that's why your teenage years in high school and maybe even college are not real great. Everybody tells you the high school years are great and go wild and do this and do this, but the good stuff, job, relationships, uh, you know, everything comes there. So that's my job is to give you hope. Hmm. Your good job is going to come when you're in your 30s and your 40s. That's a good word. It's so good. Hope. You pay your dues when you're in your 20s. So if you're 25 and you don't know what you want to be, it's okay. I've talked to my boys about it in terms of God's wedding night gift. Oh, yeah. And he's got a special package wrapped up for you in your bride. And you can't open this until your wedding night. Yes. And if you just can't. But see, to uh, a lot of kids who come from a divorced family, their wedding night is... Why would I want to do that? Absolutely. And I, you know, Meg, we're right at the end of the, well, we are, and I've got a bazillion things I want to ask you, but I want to speak to the single parent. It could be a mom or a dad. Um, There's more and more single parent fathers today, but speak to their heart. Um, They're going to have to carry this load without help. Yeah. And uh, they don't have the other gender present to bounce off of, to emulate those things to the kids. How do they cope with that? Here's what every single dad needs to know. God has given you all of the wiring that you need to parent your child really well. My job is to come along and and tap a little spark to that wiring. It's there. So don't believe it's not there. It's there. Pray. God will help you. You can do a great job. It will take every morsel of strength and masculinity and prayer you have but you can do it. And moms too. And moms too. Absolutely. And moms and single moms, help your children find a good, solid, safe male influence. Brother, father, pastor, somebody. And just bring that man to life for your child because particularly boys need to see a visual image in their mind of what a great man looks like. 
So bring that man to life. Recognize that you can't do it all by yourself, but that's okay. You can do a good enough job. And that's all your child wants is you to do a good enough job. You don't need to be a great parent. Meg, God is in all of this that we've talked about. We haven't been overt. I want to take just a minute. Be overt about God's role in all of this and what you as a father need to do to spiritually guide your kids too and point to your heavenly father. You need to bring Christ alive to your children. You need to serve um, alongside your children. And my husband was fabulous about this. He never said to the kids, I want you to do youth group. I want you to do Bible studies. I want you to go on missions. He just took them. You're right. Didn't ask he just took permission. Them. And they all wanted mission work when they grew up. So you lead them. You don't coach them. Day by day by day. You focus on the play. You focus on today. You know, and, and if you've got an impossible 16-year-old that you are convinced is going to end up in jail, it's just today. The work is not done. Give him, you've got nine more years with him. Get him to 25. That's when all the brain cells are there. And brain cells are such a gift from God <laughs> when he puts them in our kids. So focus on today. Ask God for his grace today. Ask God to give you the electricity to your wiring that you need today. He will um, guide your speech. He will help your heart. He will uh, help you have the strength to pursue your children. And he'll show you how to be their hero. And a lot of times that, that's just walking in front of them. Yeah, That's what heroes do. They walk in front. Be a hero. Dr. Meg Meeker, this is terrific for two reasons. One, guys like manuals. <laughs> <laughs> do, yeah. We want to read the instructions yeah. on how to construct it. This is that kind of a book. You can read this as a father, and it will give you some wonderful insights. Uh, in addition to that, some of us guys like me, I don't read manuals that well. <laughs> I want to just build it without instruction. Yeah. Now, that usually means I, I have a few screws and bolts and nuts left over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it, any it hits father, you there too. Any father can be their child's hero because in their child's eyes, they already are the hero. Uh, well, some great conversation today with Dr. Meg Meeker. And be sure to get her book, You've Got This, Unlocking the Hero Dad Within. And I might mention we also have a CD of this broadcast, or you can get a download or listen on the mobile app. All the details are at the website, focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call 800-the-letter-A-and-the-word-family. And I hope you'll also make a generous donation today to support the work of Focus on the Family. Day in and day out, we're developing broadcasts and podcasts, resources designed to help you as a parent. And we're encouraging you in that journey. Or your children who are raising your grandkids, consider helping us with a gift to help them. If you can join our monthly support team, we'll send you a copy of Dr. Meeker's book as our way of saying thank you. And if you're unable to make a monthly donation right now, we get it. Uh, Make a one-time gift and we'll be happy to send you that book. And as always, uh, if you need some inspiration and insight about your own parenting journey, take our parenting assessment. Uh, That is free. It takes a few minutes. It'll be very insightful for you. And it's right there at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.